From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT Shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. This is the Lembit Opic Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Greetings, Planet Earth. Lambert Opic here for another three hours of news and comment with some of the best commentators anywhere on the planet. Uh, in these three hours, we were going to hit head on uh, the climate change swindle. Uh, in other words, we're going to find out from somebody who actually understands the science uh, why there is no climate crisis, no climate emergency, and any impact that human beings are having, and we must have a non-zero impact, is barely measurable. Uh, that'll be Brian Catt in a few minutes' time. I'll be asking him, why do people believe this nonsense? How is it that trillions and trillions of euros, pounds, and dollars are being spent on something which will make no perceptible difference to the climate at all. Could it be vested interest? We'll find out from Brian Cap. Even more interestingly, he'll explain the true science of climate change. In one hour's time, you'll be reassured your children can have children themselves. They will not drown uh, as a result of some great tsunami of, tsunami of rubbish from the United Nations. And more than anything, the planet is happy. I'll explain why that phrase matters when we're speaking with Brian Cat Later on, we're going to have a review of the week with our very own Gemma Cooper. She is out and about every day here on today's News Talk TNT. And uh, we'll be finding out the things that really matter to her. Uh, that will be essentially a reader's digest of the things that you need to remember from the week that was. Then we have a very interesting person indeed. Let's just say it's all about Kung Fu in a funny kind of way. Uh, Kung Fu Medic, he's known as. And he is basically, uh, let me describe him this way, a Canadian exile, uh, but has a very interesting background. She lives in the UK now due to threats against her very family. She originally set up the Freedom Movement protests in Canada. Why is she under threat? Well, it could be because she believes in freedom of speech. What do we do in our modern societies when someone believes in freedom of speech? We suppress their freedom of speech, but not here on today's News Talk. This is where everyone gets an airing. This is where we provide you with facts and opinions, and we separate the two and ask you to do one single thing, which is think for yourself. That is the essence of the Lembotopic show here on today's News Talk. This is the home of free speech. I hope you're going to enjoy the next three hours. Uh, just a couple of stories to share before we go to our first guest. I am amazed and somewhat amused to see the headline. Trump says he would encourage China Russia to attack NATO allies who do not pay their bills. Donald Trump has said, this is from the BBC, that's my first guest laughing out loud. He's got a live mic. Donald Trump has said he would encourage Russia to attack any NATO member that fails to pay its bills as part of the Western Military Alliance. Let me give the quotes. I said, you didn't pay, you're delinquent. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever they want. They got You got to pay. Well, okay. At least it's more like Trump than Biden before you complain about my impersonation. This is an amazing story because it says that Donald Trump says no pay, no show. He's implying that he'd sit back and let Russia punish the delinquent members of NATO. Now, here's my uh, perhaps eccentric take on it. Good on you, Donald. <laughs> Two reasons. Number one, it de-escalates the whole idea of them and us because you're reducing it to a kind of rental system where Putin is the enforcer. Now, might be a little bit more complicated than that, but I think Donald Trump is 
underlining something which I've for a long time believed, NATO is an expansionist game that criticizes anybody else who is in turn expansionist. It could just be that Donald Trump's approach would create more peace than anything else. Uh, can't pay, won't pay, he might say to various countries. And more importantly, I think there's a subtext here. What he's saying is he's unlikely to subsidize American expansionist proxy wars against perceived enemies. Now, I'm not sure if I'm right about that or not. I'd love to get Trump onto the show. We'll probably try. But it is at least a walk away from the woke, mainstream, centrist, conformist stuff that you get all the time. Second observation connected directly with that is that Joe Biden keeps sinking. It seems to me that every time he goes out now, he gives more evidence to prove that he is suffering cognitive disability or or impairment, I think is the word that you're supposed to use. So you, on the one hand, you've got Donald Trump, who, whether he's in prison or not, is very likely, in my view, to be the candidate uh, for the Republicans for the presidency of the United States, unless they find some legal technicality that actually prevents him from standing and on the other side, you've got a man who four years before his the end of his next presidency, if he wins, is already forgetting the things he himself did and can't tell the difference between the president of Mexico and the president of Egypt. I wonder who is going to win this. It seems, according to the American polls, that a majority of Republicans will vote for Donald Trump. Some won't, but majority will. But 50% of Democrats, at least, are concerned about Joe Biden's mental condition. Well, that points in one direction, another Trump presidency. Do I welcome it? I suppose I do, because he does the one thing that has most prospect of wrecking the first world. He's got the one thing to, he's going to stop that, and that is the climate emergency scam. Donald Trump will put the mockers on all of this eco-nonsense, and that will create, I believe, a healthy domino effect where other Western countries and Western populations will feel emboldened to tell their politicians to do the same. Of course, I could be wrong. But I guarantee this, if Joe Biden wins again, we've got more of the same eco-claptrap awaiting us. And since he's barely in charge of the White House himself, it means his advisors will be at the reins. Donald Trump, eco-emergency skeptic. Joe Biden, who can't even remember when his, where and when his son died. I know who I'd choose. If you've got your views, then share them at tntradio.live. Go to the chat. Uh, I may be able to read some of your comments, particularly to my next guest, the eco-expert and climate emergency skeptic Brian Cat. We'll speak to him in just a minute. Also, you'll find the phone numbers if you want to call in. I'd love to hear from you. We had a great chat with Siv yesterday. It was about sport. I indulged him today. We're not talking about sport, but we can talk about anything under the sun, including the sun, especially about the environment. All of that here at the home of free speech with me, Lemba Topic, on TNT. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I come to you for facts. I really appreciate what you and your team do. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Let's get to our first guest, a man who I don't just value, but I admire. It's Brian Katz, who is a climate change expert. Brian, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us on TNT. Good morning, Ben. Love you too. 
<laughs> well, that's more warmth than I've had in a long time. Uh, uh, remember, it is a family show, so let's go to the let's go to the environment. What is the basis of your interest in the climate emergency or so-called climate emergency? Well, um, I, I used to be a, a sort of very centrist, apolitical person. I'm only I'm an engineer by trade, physicist by degree, engineer by training, and then a businessman. So I assume that things are done for the right and rational reasons, and you can't make or create things that don't work um, because people won't want them. Um, and when I retired, I one of the things I looked at, because that's what you do if you're an engineer, was renewable energy. I thought, well, how does that work exactly? Because we gave up using windmills and water mills to have an industrial revolution and sort of stop all dying at 30, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then, of course, was a, I went into all the physics of it. I did the sums and I thought, well, this doesn't work. Um, and that took me three or four years to do all the analysis of how wind farms work and the fact that basically the physics says it can't work because the energy that they harvest is weak and intermittent so it's totally unsuitable to at scale to power a grid um and what you have got you might if you get a surplus you have to store it and that makes it unbelievably expensive um and the only way you can have a developed economy is with cheap plentiful energy and the idea of course to go right to the end quickly and then back again is that the un these guys decided that they would create one of these a climate emergency so they could justify us not having cheap plentiful energy which then transfers economic power from the west uh, to asia and that is actually what they say is their plan if you read their quotes but obviously we don't have time to go through all that um so i then thought well hang on a minute we're doing this if we were going to do this properly then the only way to replace what they call dispatchable the available on demand intense energy when we need it is to replace the fossil fuel generation with nuclear power but of course nobody was suggesting that because two things one it works and solves the problem without destroying our economy and two there are no subsidies for it and the whole of the it became very rapidly apparent that the whole of the renewable industries was a subsidy racket and basically our Electricity prices have doubled as a result of that subsidy racket since from 2010 to actually 75% increase from 2010 to 2020. So I looked at all this and thought, well, this is this is this is just a contract. Uh, it's kind of a climate change protection racket. But is the climate change really a problem? And then I spent another five years studying the climate and the climate system and how the Earth controls its climate. And surprise, surprise. It's not to do with the physics that what it's all made up in models the people who program the models make up the key numbers they put into it and they ignore any natural change which is what we'll get to with the hockey stick probably in a minute so they attribute all the change that occurs to which is probably mostly natural to what humans are doing and then they say well we've got to stop that well of course you can't stop that because it's going to happen anyway um and and so and, and there are ways of understanding how the climate works that suggests that, in fact, if there is a change that humans are making, it, it's real, but it's very small as a percentage of the total change. And the total change we see, when you look at the numbers, what you find, the actual records of the past, you've got some very good geologists in Australia, by the way, guys, 
And there's a guy called Ian, Ian Plymer. Ian Plymer. Who, Ian Plymer's been on the show. I knew he'd mention him. He's been Ian, on our Ian show. Plymer, I talked to I talked to Ian about what the volcanoes under the sea do, which isn't actually t- an awful lot, but it's significant nonetheless. Um, and the geologists all know, apart from the dishonest ones who run the institutions who have drunk the Kool Aid, they know what happens. We, we have records that go back uh, a million years of the current ice age cycle which tell us exactly what happens. And it goes up and down, up and down, about two degrees at the pole, one degree at the equator every thousand years. And at the moment, we're uh, we're one and a half degrees above the coldest it's been in 8,000 years. And we're still two degrees off what it was in Minoan and Egyptian times. So we're nicely parked in the middle. And then I'm just going on, and I might as well get to the end now, because I'm nearly there. Um, then, of course, at the very end of all this, you think, well, Carbon dioxide isn't such a big problem. Um, maybe we should be a bit careful about what we spend money on trying to fix. Then it really turns out when you look very hard and say, well, what is the actual problem that we can measure from the warming climate that we've had since 1850, which was, again, the coldest in 8,000 years? And the answer is there isn't any. What do you mean there isn't any? What do you mean there isn't any? There is no measurable problem. There are only measurable benefits. With, and with, there are two, more... Go on, two measurable benefits. One is um, there's a considerable increase in CO2 has a very small effect because a lot of the effect has been saturated. It, it's I don't know how to do this. It rolls off after about 10 or 20 parts per million. It's up to 400 now. So as it increases, it makes very little difference. The difference in, to the temperature. But... It's greened the planet up by about 30% in leaf cover, according to the satellite measurements. And it's making agriculture now, they reckon, 10 to 15% more productive. So we're getting a greater agricultural productivity. That's one thing. Next thing, people dying from extreme heat and extreme cold. The people who die from extreme cold massively exceed the people who die from extreme heat. Mostly the worst case being in Asia, where 15 times more people die from extreme cold than extreme heat. You can check the Lancet. All of these things I say, by the way, you can go and check in in a number of public data centers, sources. So it's stopping people from dying. It's giving us more food. And there are no negatives because although the, the driveling idiot functioning fool Antonio Guterres or whatever his name is wanders around saying the planet the oceans are boiling and the planet's on fire if you read the scientific reports that the United Nations produce not the recommendations to policymakers which is what the political committee of the IPCC produce they don't produce real stuff they produce what they say the science says what the science actually says working group one is that there isn't really any detectable change in fires, droughts, extreme events or anything. So all you've got is net positive from CO2. So uh, we're going to go for a break in a minute. But your proposition is, first of all, that you got dissatisfied with what seemed like nonsense. And secondly, you think that, to paraphrase what you said, carbon dioxide isn't a global climate killer carbon dioxide is our fertilizing friend well carbon dioxide is the gas of life you're made from carbon dioxide if there wasn't any car if carbon dioxide drops below 150 parts per million it's currently at about 420 we all die why 
because there's not enough carbon dioxide to support the plants that create the animals that we eat, et cetera, et cetera. The food chain just collapses. So in other words, uh, just as we need oxygen, plants need carbon dioxide and below that very small amount, which we're not very far from thinking about it, then the plants suffocate. Uh, yeah, well, we, there's, there's not enough carbon dioxide to make humans either, really. Um, Some people would like that. Some, I do sometimes feel that the green movement actually hates people, <laughs> even though they are people. They, they want to reduce the population because it's an elitist thing. And it's that's why it's so heavily funded by elitists, because they have their share of the world that they want. Thank you very much. And what they don't want is people becoming prosperous enough to take it away from them because they see it as a zero sum game. So what I'd like to do in the next uh, part of the show is talk about the science and let's make sure we do it in a way that non-scientists can understand. Then in the third part, I'd like to talk about that thing you've touched on, motivations and solutions. Uh, we're talking with Brian Catt here on today's news talk, that's TNT, and we're actually getting to the true science of climate change. Climate does change, says Brian Catt, but it changes naturally. The warmer it is, the better it is. And carbon dioxide doesn't seem to drive that. We're going to go into that in a moment. Don't worry if you're not scientific. I know that Brian will make this tremendously straightforward. And once again, my appeal mm. to you, if you're a green who can disagree and provide some factual response to what Brian Katz says, you'll find the chat uh, on tntradio.live. You'll find the phone numbers there. Do call in. I'm very happy to give you a free run, whether you're the leader of the Green Party in the United Kingdom, whether you're somebody campaigning uh, about climate emergency anywhere in the world. All I ask you to do if you call in is keep it respectful. I won't cancel you unless you're offensive. So find out the numbers, find out the chat, and I'll share your comments and questions with Brian Catt in just a moment. This is the Lempotopic Show right here on TNT. See you in a minute. TNT's Timothy Shea. The race is essentially now Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley. Ron disappoints us. We'll be pulling his hat from the ring next. And the issue, as always, is why is the Nikki taking so much of the left's money? Well, maybe this will give you a little insight. She credits Hillary Clinton with inspiring her to enter politics, having attended a women's leadership summit at which Hillary spoke. And Nikki said, and I quote, I then had to decide whether I was a Republican or Democrat. See, Nikki has no core beliefs other than doing whatever her globalist masters, paymasters want her to say. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk TNT. Internet. Internet. A stream online. TNTradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Greetings. Welcome back. We're talking with Brian Catt, who's, in my view, a climate expert. He talks facts, not fiction. He's willing to engage with anybody anywhere on the spectrum of the climate debate. 
And all I ask you to do if you do call in is be respectful, but you can say what you like. You can disagree as well. Uh, just before we go back into this, Brian, uh, we're getting a lot of chats uh, on the uh, on the site. Uh, I'm told by Mogden that Ian Plymer was on at 6 a.m. this morning. Uh, not sure which, whether that's UK time or Australia time, somewhere else. And uh, there's a long quote there as well. Uh, let me use some of it. Now, humanity is inexorably threatened by humanity itself. Climate con man extraordinaire John Kerry is upset that millions around the world are awakening to the climate scam. Going on to paraphrase an infamous quote by the Club of Rome, the first global revolution. The need for enemies seems to be a common historical factor. States have striven to overcome domestic failure and internal contradictions by designating external enemies. Uh, Mogden's quite clear there. There's a great quote, which I can't read in full, but you'll find it on the chat, uh, which pretty much uh, summarizes the situation. I think I agree with you, Mogden. Holly agrees too. John Kerry is just upset. Uh, that won't make quite so, he won't make quite so many billions as he thought out of his great big con. Sadly, there are still plenty of idiots out there. Uh, Brian, you're no idiot. Uh, just in terms of where we've got so far, you're saying that uh, there's vested interest, but let's go into the science now for the next 15 minutes. Uh, yep. You're going against what you might call the conformist uh, mainstream by saying that carbon dioxide isn't a threat. Before we talk about why people are saying this, can you explain in simple terms that a non-physicist can understand? Why shouldn't we be, afraid, we be afraid of the great demon carbon dioxide, which has been pariahed persistently by a very large number of Western governments? Well, there's no reason why anybody should be afraid of carbon dioxide. It's because they've been... The system has, for what, 30 years now, been training teachers to tell children that at school to, in order to justify the climate racket, which was created in 1992 at, in Rio by um, Maurice Strong, the, the World Environmental Conference or whatever it was. And it was at that point that Agenda 21, the political background to it all, um, the, the 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 you know the fifteen minute cities stopping people using cars stopping people flying except the elites of course that was all in train in nineteen ninety two um, we're talking about the science I know but just to point you didn't go back quite far enough with the the club of Rome because that really before that came a report that was done in America which is euphemistically called the report from Iron Mountain which uh, JK Galbraith certainly took part in although it was denied by McNamara who commissioned it and what they were looking to do was to work out how you controlled populations I know we were to go to talk science how you control populations now you have a nuclear weapon and you can't have a war so they tried all sorts of ideas as you probably know there's the first of all they tried the limits to growth we're going to run out of resources well surprise surprise as we needed more we found more then th this is the science to a degree and then um what was the next thing oh um uh, famine we're going to have too many people globally well that didn't that was the ehrlich that was the pet the current pet academic du jour for in the 80s say and the idea was we'd all starve to death because we couldn't grow enough food. Well, we're growing more food than we ever did, a surplus on less land than we did before. So then they thought, well, let's find an invisible scare that nobody can check. So they, they hit on environmental scares as the way to control people. And then somebody realized they could control economies by controlling carbon dioxide, which is a direct consequence of using cheap, plentiful energy. So they thought, right, that's what we'll go for. And hence, we're where we are. So... The problem is the reason the science doesn't actually support the narrative 
is that the narrative is political science. It was an ideology which universities were then funded to support, not to test, but to prove was right. And that's why they use models, because models are not science. Models are something they make up and you make up in a computer when you don't know how things actually work. Um, and the, the inconvenient truth, the real one, is what a real scientist will do, which is to say, well, that's very interesting. Nullius in verba. Nullius in verba, as the Royal Society says. Don't take anything that people say as a fact. Show me the evidence. So, And if you go and follow these simple scientific rules, you say, well, what's the theory that you say? Right, this carbon dioxide is doing this, that or the other. Then you go away and you look at the measurements and say, well, is this actually happening? To which the answer is, no, it isn't. <laughs> and if we didn't have any CO2, as we were talking before, you asked me to riff off on that one. Um, we nearly got to uh, the death of plants in the cold phase. We have every 100,000 years, we have an ice age cycle. About 10,000 years of that are like now when it's warm. And the rest of the time, it's either on its way down or at what they call the glacial phase. Now, during that time, the carbon dioxide levels drop dramatically because 98% of the CO2 is in the oceans and it comes out when the oceans warm and is sucked back in when the oceans cool. So during the last ice age, we were down to 180 parts per million, which is 30 short of the end of life, carbon-based life on Earth, which are the plants and the animals, i.e. us. Now, what's interesting about what you've said there, I was watching uh, one of the old legacy media outlets, state-sponsored legacy media outlets, that always is an alarm bell for me when it comes to truth these days. And uh, one of the worst reporters, worst uh, correspondents in the world that I think uh, comments on this, their environmental correspondent, he was going on about the fact that oceans were warmer than they had been in record and we had record temperatures and the inference was that the air had warmed the oceans and the inference was that human beings with their carbon dioxide warmed the air so this ludicrous man had claimed basically the fact that we have coal burning fire stations had heated the oceans in other words if i'm right about this brian he completely mixed up cause and effect and he suggested that we, the mighty human race, had heated the oceans and that the oceans had nothing to do with the increase in CO2. Uh, yeah. Uh, Brian's well, just walked off the screen. Ocean. You're back again. Don't be naughty, Brian. Don't walk off like that. Brian, just, if, you're just, if you're just listening rather than viewing, Brian is now holding a globe in front of his head, which makes him look like a cartoon character. But carry on, Brian. I have here a, a globe. I have in my hand an inflated globe. When I first went on television, I hadn't blown it up and I didn't have time and I got to the studio. So I had to hold up a, <laughs> that inflated globe. The point here is that on this globe, there is a lot of blue. And that's because 71% of the planet is covered by deep oceans, four kilometers deep on average. So, and 96, and water holds a lot more heat than the atmosphere, which is what two tenths of SFA, as we call it in physics. Um, what does that mean? So What's 90, SFA? 
<laughs> you can't use. We'll figure you can't it out. use. You can't use jargon. Oh yes, I can't. Yeah, you shouldn't have used that. Do not tell us what that means. You mean two two thirds, two tenths of very little. It's Just an engineering don't, quantity. Don't define it. Yes, let's just say it's an engineering term. Let me get. Right. Let me get to Moving the point. swiftly on, Brian. <laughs> Water has, uh, as you know, if you deal with natural substances on a day to day basis, there's very little heat content in the air. You can wave your hands around in hot air and take them away again. You're okay. If you stick them in a bowl of boiling water, it's going to hurt because basically the amount of heat that water can hold is massively more than air. It's a thousand times more dense for a start, and its specific heat is four times more. So 96% of all the heat that's stored on the surface of this thing is in the oceans. Now, as, as anybody who understands the second law of thermodynamics, which is heat flows from hot to cold basically knows the planet this thing is at 300 degrees kelvin which is the same number same width as a centigrade degree except you've got to go down to absolute zero on that scale it's floating that's, that's around in space that, that, that's the coldest anything can be in the universe there is actually it's when things stop moving yes yeah and so, so minus 273 space, is the coldest it's possible for anything to be nothing can be colder yeah, than uh, minus 273 degrees celsius yeah Yes, because nothing's moving. It's actually vibration that is what happens when things get warm. So it's awfully cold out there, and there's a temperature gradient from 300 degrees on the surface of the Earth to zero degrees in space, and well, that three, goes from the three, surface, three, surface three, three of the Kelvin, ocean. to be precise, or three Kelvin. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Just keep keep it round numbers because we're keeping it simple, right? <laughs> all right so the, the ocean is the thing that is consistently warm if there wasn't an ocean it'd be awfully cold at night when the sun isn't shining anymore because there's no source of energy to keep you warm and as you will note again although the people who are listening can't but if you look at the north pole on your globes ladies and gentlemen you'll find it's mainly earth but most of the rest of it is blue now if you're in the middle of one of these bits of earth like siberia and no doubt canada and the sahara sahara it gets awfully cold at night and that's because you're away from the oceans the oceans are the thing that control the temperature of the planet and they control the temperature of the atmosphere and basically you've got a temperature gradient on average which goes from the surface of the oceans out to space through the atmosphere the idea that the the atmosphere with four percent of the total heat in the globe can heat the oceans is just delusional nonsense by somebody who has no concept of how science actually works it was described to me as going into a bathroom uh and filling yes. the bath with hot water and noticing that the air warms up and then doing the opposite filling the bath with cold water and putting a fan heater in the room and expecting the water to warm up the latter being that's, what the green catastrophists are claiming but that's ian plymer's explanation Yes, it's a great explanation. It's a very simple way of it is a good one. It, it's just yeah. it's just delusional nonsense. And anybody with half a brain who can just think about, well, how does that work and go and check it for themselves will immediately find out it doesn't work. So but that, the people who say the these things, the people who say these things are arts graduates who have no understanding of science. They just make it up and tell you it from authority and say that people say that or scientists say this could happen, which means which so it's first question is which scientist said that and if it's could you lost me right there the experts say that's what they they, they comment experts say let, let me just bank this so that we can move on from this 
essentially what you're saying is that the great big heat sink on planet Earth is the ocean. It's not the air. It's the ocean. You made one error. You said it was 2,000 times denser. I believe it's 800 times denser, but <laughs> orders of magnitude roughly the same. I said 1,000 so times, the, actually. You said 2,000, but it doesn't matter. It's 800 times. You're wrong anyway. Brian, I know a lot about uh, I know a lot about the fluid dynamics, but I'm not going to explain why. But anyway, we both agree that the the great heat sink on planet Earth is the ocean, and the ocean also is the great carbon dioxide sink. When it gets warmer, it spits out carbon dioxide. When it gets colder, it sucks it back in. And you're saying that the human contribution is tiny, and it doesn't really have would you say a measurable difference? Can we measure the difference human beings make? We must make a non-zero difference, but is it more than the, the background noise of climate change? Well, it depends how it's it's happening, but the, the we're actually talking about the greenhouse effect. It's nothing to do with what's you know, the actual heat that's being emitted into the environment, which is significant in, in a very small way, you know, fraction a percent or so of the total energy on the surface. But, 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 um, the, the significance of carbon dioxide as a greenhouse gas is mainly used up in the first few parts per million. Um, and the way it works is quite complex. It's probably beyond our scope. But basically, people think that carbon dioxide somehow heats the atmosphere. Well, and what actually happens is carbon dioxide is like uh, atmospheric KPOC, if you like. Um, which means that the explain? heat that's trying to le leave the surface, I'm trying to make this really simple, heat that's trying to leave the surface at certain frequencies only, a narrow band of frequencies which are characteristic of carbon dioxide, has to bounce around a lot between the molecules on its way to space, which means instead of coming effectively from the ground at 300 degrees, it's coming from the upper atmosphere at about minus 60, which means you lose less energy at that particular frequency. So the Earth that's right. trying to radiate itself cool because the sun's shining on it, right? So it has to give up the heat and create an equilibrium. The planet always has to be in equilibrium. It doesn't have to be at a constant temperature. It has to give up as much heat as is coming in at any time, given how it loses the heat, which is mostly from the oceans. So the carbon dioxide stops that from happening until it gets to a high altitude, which means less heat is lost. Now, if you're losing, so it's not actually warming the atmosphere, the carbon dioxide, it's causing less heat to leave, which means now that all the other things have to warm up in order to lose a bit more heat. And that effect is actually, I think, calculable. I'm actually looking at how you do that now in a in a in what we call an empirical physical way, because we have all the data we need to do this. We don't have to do it in a model and make it up and feed in they feed in the sensitivity they say if we have this much sensitivity let's guess it will cause that much temperature difference that much co2 will cause this much temperature they don't know that it actually plug it into the model and then predict and say that's what's going to happen well they made it all up now so you can I want, actually I want to talk about the models in a minute but just before we go i want to talk about what they've been doing in in the third section of, of my chat with you just let me just be clear about this what you're saying is in simple terms it's the ocean, stupid. That's what it is. It's not humans. Yes. It's the ocean that defines what's going on. Secondly, there are all kinds of different ways that 
the heat which comes in from the sun, exclusively from the sun, uh, is is dissipated. Some of it goes in the oceans, mucks about there, then then at nighttime radiates out. Some of it goes, uh, just wanders up into the high atmosphere. Some of it bounces up and down between clouds and the ground. But basically, the whole thing is a system that looks after itself, a little bit like a great big air conditioning unit. Yes, except, um, and I know I skipped through it quite quickly, the temperature is not the thing that is stable on Earth. The temperature is never stable on Earth because the conditions of the atmosphere, the amount of radiation from the sun is always changing. So in order for the planet to keep itself stable, which the oceans dominate the control of, it has to keep a thermal equilibrium, energy equilibrium, so that and it's basically the sun, okay? Forget about the, the volcanoes and stuff for the minute. It, in terms of the scales we're talking at, and then indeed the planet, the scale of the planet itself, you've got to have the same amount of energy going out as coming in. It's not the same energy. It's not light energy. It's long wave infrared energy because that's how it works. And the other thing is don't forget the clouds, which they ignore in the models. That's quite a big thing to, to miss out, really. So that's like lying on a bed and ignoring the blanket. Uh, let's come yeah, so back two, to you. Just... Can I just say quickly, the two responses yeah. that you get from the ocean are the cooling, the fact the planet sweats, so the hotter it gets, the more the oceans evaporate and take latent heat up into the sky, which is a huge cooling effect. And second of all, when that latent heat, the water vapour, gets into the troposphere, which is the low, lower atmosphere where the jets fly roughly, it condenses, gives up the latent heat, cools the planet and forms clouds that reflect the sun. So... That's your control system. So there's, we'll come back to you in just a moment. But essentially, ladies and gentlemen, what Brian Katz saying is that Earth's been looking after itself. And let me add, it seems to have been doing pretty well for the last two and a half billion years uh, before the uh, before the environmental movement of the human race came along. Uh, well, I'm going to ask Brian in the third section. I've got lots to read out, folks. I'll get through some of your chat comments in a moment on the on the TNT site. But what I'm going to ask Brian is, what's the motivation for people to sell us uh, lies, basically? Why do theoretically respectable governments and pseudo-respectable politicians want us to believe there's a climate crisis? And why do they worship the altar of people like, uh, well, at that time, teenage uh, school students who'd fallen out of uh, fallen out of school in Sweden and say that she's some kind of a messiah? All of that here on The Lemotopic Show on TNT. See you in a minute. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. According to people, the Earth's temperature, and I say people because I don't really consider the people saying this actual scientists. They may have degrees, but since they're using temperature as a metric for climate, they don't know what they're talking about. But according to them, this has been the hottest year on record, 2023. Now, that's interesting because the world population is going over 8 billion. In fact, there are close to 70 million new people on the planet than there were back in 2022. Or put it this way, there are 70 million more. Now, I can't figure out if things are so bad, how come the population continues to increase? I mean, aren't we at a hellhole right now? Now, I realize most of you don't have degrees in meteorology, and that's fine. What we were taught at Penn State, back when Penn State used to not be a climate indoctrination school, 
Well, maybe they're not now that Michael Mann has left and gone to the University of Pennsylvania. But we were taught that temperature is a very poor metric for climate. Wet bulb temperatures are a much better metric because, after all, water vapor is very important, right? So if you know how much energy is in the air and you know that a lot better with a wet bulb temperature, then you get a better look at it. You see, it can be hotter, but if it's drier, there's no real change in the amount of energy in the air. Better than that, though, is saturation mixing ratios. Now, this really quantifies the water vapor. So let me ask you a question. If you want to track down the source of what warming is, would you use something that doesn't correlate at all to the temperature, CO2? Or would you use something that has a direct correlation to the temperature, which is water vapor? This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog, meteorologist Joe Bastardi, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Sometimes, a car comes along that changes everything. With innovations never thought possible and features that make you wonder, how did people survive without this? This is that time, and this is that car. This is the world's first VWB. Equipped with transparent doors to eliminate reasonable suspicion, whatever that means. A 10 and 2 steering wheel that keeps hands visible at all times. We remove the glove box so there's no confusion about what the driver is reaching for. With a touch of a button, the ultrasonic biometric scanner displays the license and registration of the driver to ensure contactless exchange of information. With no trunk, nothing can be concealed, so therefore, there is nothing to search and seize. To ensure you will never be mistaken for breaking the speed limit, we've installed limited edition airless tires. And we remove the engine because, honestly, why risk it? DWB, the first vehicle of its kind, where the safety feature is the car itself. On today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back to Lembotopic with you for the next uh, two and a quarter hours or so. Uh, we're still with Brian Katz, who is a breath of fresh air, fresh carbon dioxide carrying air in a world <laughs> of bunkum. Uh, let me just read some of the comments that Brian Katz uh, and his skepticism about the climate emergency have prompted on our TNT site. Uh, some excellent uh, comments by the way Ian Plymer was on this morning uh English time uh oh. Hemingway says extolling the virtues of net zero is like climbing a tree to catch a fish I like that I'll probably use that uh Brett Atkinson says <laughs> it's the best airborne yeah I like that but definitely you can have that one for nothing <laughs> I know you're writing a book you might want to use it uh Brett Atkinson says it's the best airborne fertilizer there is according to David Bellamy who's also pariah for saying so Robert Hancock uh shares a complaint of mine as well tell the idiots out there that there's a difference between carbon monoxide that's CO and carbon dioxide CO2 let me add also when they want to talk about 
carbon zero, carbon net zero. There is no carbon in the atmosphere. Carbon's a solid uh, at anything below about a few thousand Celsius. So you're quite right there. Holly says, brilliant. Top fellow, SFA funny. Okay, well, we'll gloss over that, Holly. Um, well said. Uh, helps uh, simple helps my foggy brain you've been out again holly that's the problem uh, mogden says as soon as i see any msm that says experts say scientists say reports say blah 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 i know it's complete rubbish okay i did today a little bit mogden uh mogden adds the clouds act like a thermostat completely right uh hemingway says green msp that's a uh, scottish member of parliament minister lorna slater who earns about a hundred thousand a year says that scotland is Morally and legally obliged to reach net zero. Scotland is responsible for 0.1% of man-made uh, global emissions. I think it's probably even less than that, actually. Uh, and yet they spend millions while uh, Germany's busy opening uh, 16 billion euros worth of uh, gas plants. Uh, it just keeps coming. Holly simply says absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Brian, I think you've, reached, uh, you've touched on a rich theme of common, common sense here with uh, TNT viewers and listeners. It's not it's not hard. Um, let me do a little promo rather than th these sorts of dialogues are rather evidence free and I can't wave my graphs about. Look, there's some more there. Um, there's if you look on YouTube, folks, and just type Brian R.L. Cat, that's Richard Lewis, Cat, C-A-T-T, you will find me addressing the UK Reform Party's conference in 2022 where I was asked to do all of this in 15 minutes on the platform. Um, and because it was a you know a proper appearance, I had to put my suit on and stand up and present, I uh, made a fairly good job of it, apart from at the end where I had to gabble a bit. But I put all the evidence up. You can stop it. You can freeze frame the slides and you can see the reality of actual climate change as it's measured. Um, the this graphs is, from all around the world. Uh, and, and you can see what the reality is, how how things naturally change. Um, and perhaps I didn't say, sorry, I just want to get this one in. The, 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 the most important thing about natural change is that the models that you are told to believe, which they are making up, remember, the sensitivities of temperature to CO2, one of their core assumptions is that there is no natural change for 2000 years from Roman times until 1850. And then all the heating that occurred was due to human action. Now, this is complete nonsense. And it is the hockey stick that Lembit was going to talk about. And okay. that was created by. Now, this is complete nonsense. And it is the hockey stick that Lembit was going to talk about. And okay. that was created by manipulating data by a charlatan called Michael Mann in America, who uh, is still being protected by the system. And um, the whole thing was pulled apart afterwards by real scientists, but it's still considered to be true because if it's false, the models are wrong. So the hockey stick, the famous hockey stick, infamous hockey stick, which uh, claims, as you say, that all the heating's happened since 1850, ignoring the fact that the medieval warm period, maybe half a millennium ago, was much warmer, that the Roman warm period was so warm that they grew grapes in the north of england where you can hardly yes. grow anything more than potatoes these days and they ignore the fact that uh, in order for their models to work then the vikings would have had to dig a few hundred meters through ice to the uh to the surface of greenland to bury their dead uh it does seem the, the interesting two things 
there are two things, Len, but just, just to chip in with the, it's not just the records. We, we can measure very accurately using modern proxy radio, radioisotopic techniques, what te the temperatures were, but for, certainly for the thousand years and for some of the 2000 year warm periods, it's documented. It's history. It's historical records. People have written about where these things were and what weather was like. And now they are finding archaeological finds that are coming out of the ice. There's the Lenbreen Pass in Norway. There's another pass in the Alps. There's what Lembit was saying. There were farms that were harvesting barley in Greenland. And these things are just thawing out. Now, what does that tell you about the climate a thousand years ago? That the, what it tells me, Brian, is that uh, the industrial revolution has been so damaging that it actually changed the climate eight hundred and fifty years before it began. <laughs> this is basically what they have to claim. I'm not it, kidding. It, there must be a time machine of evil that takes all this carbon dioxide and dumps it back in the past. Alternatively, they're just lying. And this leads me to my question. Uh, let me summarize. Then, uh, what we're saying is carbon dioxide generated by human beings, which is actually only a tiny proportion of the total carbon dioxide budget anyway, maybe three and a half percent, that can't possibly be driving climate. Uh, it's just uh, not credible. Why are people doing it? You touched on this at the beginning of our discussion, but explicitly, why do you think that uh, world leaders turn up in uh, Dubai and in Davos and tell us that human beings have to take this action? Well, it's not all human beings that have to take this action. It's only the Western democracies that have to take this action because they signed, this is a bit like the ECHR, because they signed a treaty. All these people will tell you, we have to do it, we're legally obliged. No, we're not, we just have to undo it. We can easily say, right, we're not gonna do that. Trump did that, he, he basically tried to abandon the Paris Accord. It. it it's complete nonsense. They got people to sign up. Morris Strong's great achievement, once they realised they could control Western economies by making their energy expensive and rationed and give power to Asia while not making everybody richer, which, which, which is what we should be doing, making everybody prosperous so they can be protected from nature, basically. Um, so what they wanted to do was to redistribute wealth around the world. And that was the purpose of the 92... Rio meeting. And they would do that by slowing down or reversing the economies of the Western nations and passing this the, the manufacturing, the means of manufacturing and extraction to Asia, which is exactly what's happened, of course. And we so and they got us to sign a treaty to, to cut our own throats. So uh because the politicians sorry, and then you get the politicians. The politicians are stupid people. They're arts graduates who who basically lie for their livelihood and they have they're not interested in the in, in doing the best for the most they're interested in doing the best for the elites who reward them after office and if so they can get into in the subsidy sorry if they can get into the subsidy streams which i can say quite clearly because it wasn't illegal people like chris hoon with drax um Who's, who's the other one? Gummer, who's got a firm advising on legislation which he recommends to Parliament. Um, all of these people, that, uh, what's his name, um, who just quit in a, in a paddy? Um, Skidmark. Uh, oh, Richard, Skid Chris, Richard Skidmore. Skid Skidmore. Yeah. Yeah, Skidmore. Obviously an innocent mistake there. But they're all making lots of money 
out of this not directly from it necessarily but from spin-offs from advising from directorships on companies and they've indoctrinated people it's a religion okay so it's taught in schools as if it were true and so kids believe it and will vote for it if politicians say they're going to do it so it's a perfect storm we've we've been captured by this elite who are telling us something that's a lie in order to control and reduce our economic prosperity that that was the plan always you you mentioned children and uh holly says it's so awful to think of the stress being ladled over children at the moment they feel responsible for the destruction of the planet such an evil thing to do to young minds how can this be undone she asks how can this be undone well you just have to can't basically you have to leave the paris accord you have to leave the I would cancel the UN IPCC completely and the WHO because they're in a similar game. They're trying to control people by taking control of pandemics and effectively making it possible for the UN to give policies to people which are not based in science fact to behave in a particular way when there's a problem. So that's what's happened with energy. Now they want to do it with pandemics and you'll see all these things. It's it's one of the UN's ambitions is to be a global government. And of course, it's very much an unelected setup. So the elites are very much in there and funding funding these these terrible outfits that promote fake science, like Carbon Brief and the Grantham Institute that I get on telly with sometimes. It, it really is something that people have to understand in order to resist, I think. Uh, and this is what we're doing here at TNT. We're providing the facts, but also an open platform. If you have better data, then get involved. What I've noticed, Brian, and this is a great big red warning flag for me. When you invite the green fanaticists to a debate, they either say, you should be cancelled because you're killing the future, Lembit, or they simply say, I refuse to provide a platform and dignify your position uh, in that way. Uh, in other words, it seems to me, Brian, that the absolutely fundamental core of the scientific method has been eschewed by them because they know that they can't win. Well, and the other thing is, of course, people don't do science anymore. The, the, the whole point about all the, the universities are crammed with people doing ologies and soft subjects, <laughs> which are not subject to the scientific method, which is test by observation of a definite theory. And if you try to apply that test, to their claims then you're a denier when in fact what you're doing is basic science can i just say about choice in case we run out of time before i say it we are about if to run out these, of time you better promote your book as things, well well if if, he, if electric vehicles and windmills and all the rest were the best thing for us then we should be able to choose to buy them not have them imposed on us by law the heat pumps as well let people choose what is best for them don't try and impose it then if it is the best then it'll win uh just we've got just one minute remind us of the book that you're writing it's not available yet though brian is it i'm going to call it the happy planet and going to do the basic maths to show how much carbon dioxide probably is affecting the overall temperature of 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 the world it's not hard in fact so there's no climate emergency the human contribution is not really measurable above the noise and co2 is our friend is that a fair summary yes. that's exactly so brian it's and a we're pleasure being robbed that... by the mafia it's it's a it, climate change is that is a is, is a legalized protection racket run by the government 
Beautifully put. Thank you, Brian. That's Brian Catt. We'll definitely have him back again. Uh, to summarize, you don't have to be a scientist to understand that this is the way wrong approach uh, for the human race. And let me tell you two little factoids. Uh, the record level of oil usage in the history of the human race was 2023. And the record level of emissions was 2023. So even if we did think there was a problem, we're not doing anything about it. But there isn't a problem. Do put your calls and comments in. You'll find all the details on the TNT site. Coming up next, we're going to take a review of the week with our very own TNT's Gemma Cooper. All of that coming up in the next hour on the Lempitopic Show with me right here. Don't go anywhere. See you in a few minutes.